0: Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week on the show we talk with author, illustrator, and pastor Casey Fritz. We talk about stories and their power over us as well as how storytelling has such an influence on our evangelism.
1: And so what we can do by studying culture, by studying fiction, by studying literature, is be able to draw parallels where people go, oh my goodness, I've seen this the entire time. I longed for this. I want this. And then we go, it's true. You can have it in Jesus Christ. And I think when we can do that, that's evangelism
0: at its best. Hey, it's Isaac here. Hope everyone is doing well. Uh, This week is all about stories, but even further than that, storytelling. You know, one site on the internet says that roughly 600 movies are released each year, and that's just in the U.S. You know, you add all the other countries, and that number quickly leaps to the thousands, and then you could add all the unofficial or independent movies and short films in all countries, and we're probably approaching 10 to 15,000 per year. And then you have to add to that the amount of published novels and poems and plays and, and even TV shows. And what you see is one thing loud and clear. Story sells. So why? This week on the show, we talk with someone who loves stories, but he also loves people and spends his week shepherding people to better ground themselves in the gospel story. Casey Fritz is a pastor, he's an author, and an illustrator, and he's not known for writing technical or advanced novels for adults, but children's stories. We have him with us to talk about stories generally, storytelling, and then storytelling in evangelism, and Patrol, the Christian children's book company where he serves as head of story. So, what constitutes a story? What is patrol and what should we be doing to better our storytelling ability? Check out our conversation with Casey Fritz. With me today is, according to his Twitter, uh, he's a disciple, he's a husband, father, pastor, author, and illustrator, Casey Fritz. But probably most related to our conversation today, he's head of story, uh, writer, and illustrator for Patrol. So it's great to have you on the show with us today, Casey.
1: Uh, Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, So perhaps in more detail than what I just said, can you just let us know a bit about uh, who you are?
1: Yeah, uh, you want me to just go all the way back to birth? I mean, I can I can go all the way. It's kind <laughs> absolutely, of absolutely. Well, when when my father fell in love with my mother, of now, course. <laughs> no, I am married, but I've been married for about thirteen years. I have two incredible children: my son, who eleven; my daughter, nine. And I've been a pastor now since about two thousand and seven at um, a couple of various different churches. Um, For a long time in Arizona, but now in Los Angeles area of California, um, for a few years in Hollywood. But now I am the preaching pastor of Collective Church here on the west side of Los Angeles. And it's been through this entire process of being in Los Angeles and being in ministry in Los Angeles that I've had the wonderful opportunity to start stepping more into children's publishing and children's illustrating and children's writing. And so around 2012, I kind of got my start with my very first book. So again, pertaining to our conversation today, um, illustrating and writing has been also a huge part of my ministry and my time here in Los Angeles, and I've had the opportunity, the very honoring and, and, and humble opportunity to do about four books with a fifth on the way. And so I'm a very fortunate, totally by the grace of God, that I can not only just be in ministry, but have the opportunity to be also in the publishing world.
0: Yeah. And I mean it's not often that you hear someone saying, you know, I'm a pastor, especially in Los Angeles and I write children's books. How did you get <laughs> into doing writing children's books? Like what made you what what's the yeah. interest that got you into that? Well, I
1: I've been a fan, you know, since I was a child. I, I think children's books are some of the most nostalgic, obviously, and some of the most influential, I think everybody has probably an affection in their heart for everybody from Shel Silverstein to Dr. Seuss to my personal favorite, Chris Van Allsburg, who people are more familiar with, Jumanji, Polar Express, Zathura. He's an extremely influential author for me. So I would say I've always been a fan, uh, a fan of, of stories to children. I think they're very honest. I think they're very raw. So I'm very passionate about stories in general. But children's stories, I think, have a very special place in all of our hearts because there really is no limits for how we can tell a story to a child. So I would say for that for me, I've been passionate about for my entire life, but I've been doing illustrations for quite some time. And I always wanted to do a children's book. So I think it's every illustrator's dream to do a children's book. And I wasn't getting a whole lot of offers. I wasn't seen a whole lot of projects that I wanted to be a part of. And so I was like, all right, forget this. I'm just going to do it myself. And I'm not by nature an author, not by nature a writer. And so I just started making an attempt to do it, meaning I'm just going to write a paragraph a day, see what happens. And totally by the grace of God, when I was done with this, my very first project called Cotton Mouth in the River, it was... um, It was decent, and so I showed it to some friends, and by the grace of God, like I said, it kind of was able to get published. So it was sort of a world. I mean, I just kind of got thrown into the wave, and now I'm I'm in it. But it was a total whirlwind, and, and connection-based, and things like that. I've got some really incredible friends in Los Angeles who were who were fortunate enough to um, help me out.
0: That's that's so cool. Now, you know, my wife and I just had our first child. So as someone ah. someone that you know has you know probably read a lot of children's books, what what is one that you can think of that's like it's a must that we need to need to buy? And if you want to, you can give, say one of yours. But you know, whatever. <laughs> Well, it, it dep- I
1: mean, that is a great question. And I would say this will probably get into more in our conversation. It depends, I would also say, on who you are as parents. So there are so many different types of stories or so many different types of people. So if you guys are looking for a great, I mean, obviously Christian classic, there's some out there. But if you're looking for just classics in general – from fantasy to ABC books. There's so many incredible stories out there for children that we can go down any rabbit hole going, you definitely should obviously be reading Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, but also at the same time, like I'm saying, Shel Silverstein's poetry to Chris Van Ellsberg. These people are staples for, I think, a holistic children's library. Absolute staples.
0: That's awesome. Okay, well done. We'll do that. Now, (laughs) I I recently came across uh, Patrol, and I think it was actually in a uh, a Humble Beast email that got shot out that they were supporting Patrol. So I was like, what is this Patrol? So for those who have no idea, uh, Casey, what Patrol is, um, how do you explain Patrol to someone? And um, and I know listeners obviously don't, if they don't know about Patrol, they don't know what the logo looks like. But I also want you to explain the logo and why it is what it is.
1: Yes. Yeah, so Patrol is, um, for all intents and purposes, purposes, a content house. So Patrol is a fairly recent company that wants to produce really gospel saturated stories and stories with a bite stories with high stakes stories that aren't afraid to take risks So Patrol is um, a company that I am unbelievably humbled to work with. Uh, I've worked with a bunch of different publishers, but Patrol in general, Patrol as a content house, is really, um, I would say, small enough, but at the same time making enough waves to really take risks. So Patrol is all about taking risks. So as you see, we're currently, and it's going to be published here soon, you'll see that we're working on Gospel in Color which is um, a children's and family basic (laughs) book about racial reconciliation. Where um, we really want to do stories that push the limits. So we're working on our story right now about abortion and the sanctity of life, but told to enough, told to families that families and children can digest it. Also, at the same time, we're working on a horror book for children, so a Goosebumps, but told with the understanding of Christ at the center, gospel focused, gospel themed. And so, basically, I'll just say this, and I'll wrap it up, and I'll be able to explain the logo. It's all about telling the greatest of stories possible from being influenced by the ultimate story, which was the gospel. So patrol as a theme is all about being on the lookout. So that's where the periscope comes in. Um, We're all about wanting to be able to on the lookout, to be able to tell the greatest stories possible in the greatest areas and the greatest needs. So patrol has this sort of submarine, we're on patrol, periscope, logo, those types of understanding is really all intents and purposes of we are out there patrolling, for the greatest stories and the greatest need, so I would say that's sort of the all-encompassing idea of Patrols a logo. Patrol Patrols a, a brand.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's no. That's great. And and I know that maybe you were, but I don't think from this from what I've read, you were the the one that initiated Patrol at the beginning. But why did Patrol even start? Like, I, I guess like, what is the problem, or wh- what did you see lacking that needed to be addressed? Possibly that that's why Patrol got started.
1: Yeah. Patrol started by. Um, couple brothers, incredible artists, incredible storytellers, um, a few years ago, not too long ago, and what they set out to do was create a book that was visually arresting, visually beautiful, while at the same time gospel-saturated, and they are struggling in the Christian market to really find publishers who are willing to take those risks. So, and this is not dogging on any Christian publishers out there at all, it was just going, man, we're seeing there's a little bit of lag in trying to tell stories, like I said, with some risk, with some bite, while at the same time allowing a lot of creative freedom. And so as these two brothers, Eliezer and Ramel, were kind of in this boat trying to figure out where to go, what they were on the lookout for, patrol, um, what they're on the lookout for, they decided, what if we sort of stepped in to fill that gap? And um, I think that is a really beautiful I would say, understanding and, and hope for all of us. When they see a need, it's not just whine about it, but do something about it. They, they posed a solution. They stepped in and saying, let's do this. Let's make these types of stories and from there, patrols launched with a simple book called Golly's Folly. And from there, they've launched many more books and we're honing in more. And we are very excited for the future of what future stories we'll be able to share with the world. But God's really doing a number in this little teeny company that's expanding expanding and getting more and more influence. So that was, I would say, the need that we were trying to fill was try to find the stories that were visually arresting, create a freedom and at the same time, looking to take
0: risks. That, that's so good. Now, uh, to kind of get into now story, more or less, when you and I obviously looked around today. I story is one of the most popular trends that is just constantly there. I can't even say it's a trend, it's just always popular. Um, every Friday, Saturday, people are just busting into the movie theaters to watch stories, 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 right? So, And we see stories being told, printed, filmed, all these different things by honest artists and that's great, but we also see stories, I mean, sold by marketers and CEOs just to gain more money, so I guess... Two, two questions come to mind when I consider story and its popularity. The first is this, and you can, yeah, just tell me what you think about this. In your view, what constitutes a story?
1: Yeah, I would say a story at its very core is, is an individual going through a transformation. It's a transformed individual. And I think that's what we long for the most as people is meaningful change, um, is significant transformation. And so when we see that in a commercial, in a film, In the bible what we long for is to find our story our own transformation in theirs so i would say what you're seeing in every single thing is somebody's being transformed either they're being transformed from something um, weaker to lesser or something smaller or excuse me from weaker to stronger smaller lesser to greater even if that just means with a brand new car what we are watching is transformation 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 and so what they're selling us is this is how to transform this is how you can be transformed. This is when you can be transformed. So that's what I would think is tells a good story, is you're always going to see somebody go through um, that sort of process.
0: So if if story uh, has transformation and all of our, you know, so many of us are just so into stories, what is it about humans that long for transformation? And I mean, we you can get into this a little bit. I mean, you're a pastor, like you understand that, like, why do we... Why do we long for transformation, stories of transformation? Why do we want to see that?
1: That's a I think that's a huge question. I think <laughs> that has biblical implications. And I think that is just in essence the way we're created. And I think it, it has it touches on so many little things. It's really, really big. And I think that's the way, first and foremost, that God has decided to communicate to us, which is through story. But I would think our essence of it is knowing. Deep, I would say the, the very essence of this would come down to we are not what we should be, thus we long to become that. So we are not what we should be. We know that internally. We have that in, you could say, a memory trace or whatever it is. And so we're constantly reaching for what we ought to be and what we know to be and what we long to be. And so when we, that's offered in a commercial or if that's offered in Avengers Infinity War, if that's offered in a Bible, people want to experience it. So I would say that's just what we long to be ultimately, and I think stories offer a glimpse of that, and that's why the best of stories are the most influential, and while people be, can be changed from reading a book, from obviously reading the Bible, and then all, even film, like you were saying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, give this question to you earlier, but just want to get your thoughts on it. There seems to be, when I, amongst uh, books, but Movies, especially because I think more people will go and, and watch movies. There seems to be this uh, strong enjoyment or pleasure from movies that involve uh, sacrifice. You know, I, I think of the, like the Matrix, for instance. This was a huge movie franchise because of the sacrifice that took place and all these different things. And I mean, obviously, we can trace that back to the gospel. But in your, just in thinking about it, just off the cuff, like, what do you? What is it about sacrifice that makes us, you know, so? Uh, we just, we just love it. If someone jumps in front of a car and pushes someone out of the way, like we just love that. And when movies are based and stories are based on that, uh, we our hearts just are warmed.
1: I agree with you. I think every good story has an element of sacrifice. Uh, somebody has to fi- sacrifice something for transformation. So I think trash- transformation comes about from sacrifice, either somebody else's or your own. And I think a really good stories are both. But I would, see, I would say almost at the epitome is because that's where the transformation point is, I think that stands out to us. And I also think that's antithetical to who we are as people. I think that sin has brought us in to be so inward bent that we we think about ourselves. So when somebody thinks about another, I think that goes, oh my gosh, it's not something that would, that would be my natural inclination. So to see that in another person, it makes us long for that. It makes us hope for that. And if it really changes us, it makes us want to be that. So I would say it's just so antithetical to our nature. So when we see it happen, it really takes us by surprise. And even though we've done every single story, it always moves our heart every time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if, if, like the evolving uh, definition of story now would be a story is uh, transformation via some form of sacrifice.
1: Always. Uh, uh, your, your main character has to suffer, has to. and And that is in every single—I mean, again— I'm gonna say it's in every story, but it's definitely in every good story. Your main character has to suffer, and we have to, again, like I said, see our story within that.
0: Um, now, this next question, I mean, it's a its its taking away from uh, fiction. Um, how can Christians, so you and I and people listening that you know believe themselves, you know, they love Jesus? Um, how how can they better involve the the art, the power of story, you know, transformation, sacrifice in their own? Lives. What does that look like? This is sort of a, I guess, a creative or artsy question, but I, I think some people will, um, you know, it's interesting to think about for sure.
1: Yeah, I think I think that is a good question. I think it comes down to understanding stories. So what I mean by that is, if they really, a Christian especially wants to really understand or take advantage of it, it's going to come down to them. Um, dissecting or doing a sort of an internal organ parts check of every single story. So like sort of cutting it open to understanding it to a, uh, a greater degree. And especially if you have children being able to, pause a film or be able to read Dr. Seuss, whoever it is, and go, what about this has transformed them and how? what can we learn from it? So it's teaching children. It's slowing down. It's watching Wizard of Oz to Avengers Infinity War going, how am I seeing myself in this story? So I think it comes down to self-examination. I think people take an advantage of every single story, including unchristian stories. I would say every story has a gospel element to it, but, but I think Christians especially have to start watching every genre of story reading every genre of story, and being able to extract from it, where's the gospel in this, where's the transformation point? Because the minute we are able to get that greater awareness and those stories, we'll have it within our, our own lives. So I think once we can start dealing with stories on any level, in any genre, we'll be able to start doing it more and more in our lives. Essentially, we'll be able to start doing integration. Which is one of the most important things is if that's true of them, what does that mean of me? If that's true of him or her, what does that mean of me? So taking advantage advantage of it comes down to self examination, um, story examination. So that's that's what I would say.
0: Right, and if someone if someone you know you're, you're you're talking to someone about that and you explain that to them and they say, well why, Casey, why is that important that I extract, you know, why do I, why is it important that I self, uh, you know, I'm, I'm examining myself through this story. Why do I need to do that? Shouldn't I just go and, and and preach the gospel and go do missions and I don't have to worry myself with these things that aren't even real? Mm,
1: yeah, good, 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 uh, good pushback. <laughs> what?
0: I didn't mean to be like... like no,
1: I like that. Yeah, I, okay, I, okay. I, I agree with you that people can just go, okay, but even... Even in what that that person might be saying is, why can't I just go preach the gospel? Sure, absolutely. But we have to understand that is the greatest story. Like, we're still talking (laughs) about story. So all I would say in that understanding, that aspect of, is it's being able to have eyes to see and ears to hear. It's being able to understand, I would even say, a greater purpose in our our time, in our world, and our humanity. So God obviously is pro-artist. God is pro-musician. God is pro-poet. Um, God himself is the greatest artist, the greatest poet. And so we he has created people, artists, illustrators, poets, writers, especially to be these storytellers, every prophet is a storyteller. And so people are supposed to hear stories, including Jesus Christ stories, who told parables nonstop. So again, from that, I think if we are able to see stories better on any form, in any shape, in any genre, we're going to see the gospel better. Again, so examine that, not only self-examine, it also has gospel examination. So if you can do that with all these stories, like Christ said, and he told numerous stories, holy smokes, we are going to be able to completely apply deeper the gospel of Jesus Christ.
0: That's so good. And you know as you're as you're saying that I'm just I'm thinking back to uh, you know our favorite king and poet musician David. And you know David does this horrible sin and Nathan comes in and I I love that Nathan doesn't just say, "Hey David, like you're in the wrong." Um I and I don't know if if that would have happened. I don't know how David would have reacted, but instead Nathan comes and he actually says a story that's so powerful to David that David is like he's up in arms like he says, I see the injustice in this story. And then Nathan's able to speak straight into his own life. And that that's so powerful.
1: Yeah. And that goes back to your original question. Why didn't that guy or why did Nathan go in and just explain God's love? Well, he did, but he did it through story. And so story cracks us open. It talks about transformation and it moves us to greater transformation in and of ourselves. So, yeah, you nailed it. Absolutely.
0: Casey, how does story in evangelism look? I mean, when you do evangelism uh, in L.A., and I I mean, L.A. is such a—I have no idea the culture in L.A., but, I mean, do you integrate story in evangelism? And I think maybe—I think about testimonies and things like that. Like, yeah, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, yeah, I live in a storytelling city. We create—all we do is create stories. Yeah, this is our entire world As people come from around the world to our little teeny bubble uh, to create some of the most influential stories. And so we believe here, especially as ministers and embedded missionaries in Los Angeles, that if, in, if we can influence the people in the industry, the film industry, then we can truly influence the world. Absolutely. So we do believe that so that we believe as a pastors or as preachers or as evangelists that if we could tell a good story and the ultimate story, then this is going to I mean, this is going to just be something unforeseen yet, meaning we can't even know its full implications as far as what stories can do in this way. And so what I mean by that now is, as far as evangelism goes, is I think evangelism is storytelling. So if we're going to talk, yeah, that's all we're doing is evangelism. Let me explain to you, uh, God... who who loves his creation so much to the point that he had to step into the canvas. He had to step into that world. He had to step into the story he created. It's an author stepping into his own book to literally be able to redeem people who have gone astray to transform them. So evangelism is story. So every time somebody might not think I'm a storyteller, I'm not a writer, I'm not an artist, sure, in some respects, but in the ultimate sense, we are called to tell the greatest story there is. So evangelism is 100% story. And if people can hone that by... Reading stories, looking at stories, understanding stories, their evangelism will only be that much more, in my opinion, increased.
0: Yeah. And that, that's huge. As you're saying that, like I'm literally like Epiphany moment thinking, like, okay, hey, evangelism, you know, take away evangelism from, you know, my Bible college class, take take away from the systematic theology textbooks. Those are all good. We gotta learn those things. But at its core, I mean, when you're actually practicing evangelism, you are storytelling. That's that's huge. So that all kind of wraps up a lot of what you're kind of saying throughout this whole conversation, that we should be investing our time in children's books and movies and different things like that to learn how stories are told so that we can best tell the best story to those around us. That's huge. Evangelism is storytelling. I think that's the best thing I've heard today so far. And only, and I, mean, I mean, it's only 9 a.m., but I, there's no, a, it's, it's good.
1: I think if people can, again, even bringing this back to your original question, which was great, which is why even look at other stories, is because we'll actually be able to contextualize and relate that to people of why they love the sacrifice story. So again, if you even talk about, I think, one of the greatest stories ever told, which is E.T., that is about a lonely boy missing out, abandoned and rejected, and somebody from another world steps into his world and changes him and transforms him and feels, and he can make him to start to feel and see the world differently. And so I think... Okay, is that not Jesus Christ to humanity? And that is every single story Somebody stepping in. And so what we can do by studying culture, by studying fiction, by studying literature, is be able to draw parallels where people go, oh my goodness, I've seen this the entire time. I longed for this. I want this. And then we go, it's true. You can have it in Jesus Christ. And I think when we can do that, that's evangelism at its best.
0: I love it. Uh, thanks so much, Casey. Just really, really enjoyed that conversation. If you're listening right now and you're interested in more, then definitely go check out wearepatrol.com. There you can order books. You can find out more in general. And they even have, I, I like you guys did an audio version, audio book of Golly's Folly, which was awesome. I hope you guys are going to do more of those. <laughs>
1: Yes, I'm very excited. So Moon Man Cometh, my Christmas story, which comes out in November, which will be full audiobook with music and voice actors. We're very excited about that.
0: That's so good. Um, and yeah, again, if you're listening, you can also follow Casey on Twitter with his handle at Casey underscore Fritz. I'm sure he'd, he'd love that as well. So anyways, <laughs> thank you so much, Casey. I hope you have a great day.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: That was pastor, author, and illustrator Casey Fritz. Again, all you need to know about Casey and Patrol, which is the Christian children's book company, it'll all be on our episode podcast page and you can find that on our site. You know, at least for me, when I consider the power that movies and books have over me, uh, it's quite you know intense. I remember as a kid you know, watching Batman with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, if you guys remember that one, uh, and I would watch it. And then afterwards, I just wanted to be Batman. And that still kind of continues to this day. A good story really moves you, it encourages you, it frightens you, and so on and so forth. You know, the good stories are the ones that literally suck out all of your attention and focus, and it makes you feel. Well, as Casey was saying, the gospel is the story of all stories. This is the story, you know, that every Christian ought to be telling themselves every single day, uh, to themselves and to others. This is the story uh, that all of us should know. And if you're in a place right now where you're struggling, you're feeling weak, you're feeling powerless or even discouraged, then I would suggest to you to tell the story of the gospel to yourself. And in the same way that a good movie or a good novel really you know, ha- has such an effect on you to make you want to change, you'll see that same thing when you really meditate and reflect on the story of all stories in the gospel. So here are just five verses that speak to the direct fact that the gospel story strengthens and builds you up. Think of Romans 1.16, which says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, and remember, it's the gospel story, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So we see here the gospel as the story, as the power of God. Another one is Romans 16.25. It says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, And the preaching of Jesus Christ. There you have the word strengthening you according to the gospel story. We have 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. So we can stand in the gospel. And 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 5 It says, our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Now, you can see those big words that are accompanied with the gospel story. And lastly, I think of 2 Timothy 1 verse 10, which says that Jesus abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So, the gospel story abolishes death and brings life to light. I love that. So, tell the story of the gospel to yourself and others every single day. If Indoubt is a ministry that you'd consider financially supporting, it's really easy to do that. Just click the donate button and follow the simple instructions at indout.ca if you live in Canada or indoubt.com if you live in the States. Remember to check us out online and connect with us. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you listen on iTunes, why not rate and review us? It would mean a lot, so thanks in advance. Well, I'm Isaac, and next week on the show, we talk with Lisa Eldred from Covenant Eyes on how to fight pornography addiction with purpose. We'll see you then. Indoubt Ministries exists to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indo.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.